Hello and welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. And my guest this week is Thor Flitterson. And I've been practicing that one to make sure I get that right too. He'll, uh, I'm sure, tell me any second now. And Thor, uh, Thor is the Senior Director of Global Learning and Development at the Kellogg Company. Welcome, Thor. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. And the pronunciation was Flusserson. Flusserson. Yeah, it's very close. <laughs> We've been talking Viking roots. So, uh, and, and actually, this is kind of interesting because we're speaking from, you're actually in Iceland at the moment. I am in Iceland. I'm in, in Reykjavik, Iceland, uh, where I've been here for now for uh, the last uh, month or so. So typically come here in the summer for a little bit of a getaway, but now with COVID, it's changed things up. So I'm doing some uh, remote work for, for an extended time uh, period of time, and well, it's working great. <laughs> that's good, and that's one of the reasons why I, I was interested to talk to you today, because uh, you've been leading the Keller Company's charge on uh, LinkedIn learning and a lot of remote learning. And then when we hit COVID, everybody's charging in that direction. And I thought it'd be interesting for you to uh, potentially share some of the things you've learned and, and some of the tips you've got about how we transition from a lot of the face-to-face to virtual and then what works virtual and what have you found doesn't work virtually. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah. I, I'd start off, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, I always try and get people to give me a mini bio in kind of 30 seconds of your history. Yeah, so um, I've, I've, uh, my background in education-wise is in psychology. So my entryway into, into learning was really working with children and, and students with learning disabilities and developmental disabilities and autism. And so really working with principles of learning, uh, with teaching skills. Um, and then I, I pivoted into uh, seeing more opportunities, applying my experience and, and learning more into how do we do this with with, with adults in the workplace. So I, I moved to the US to go to graduate school at Western Michigan University. Uh, this was several years ago where I did my master's and, and doctorate in, in psychology with a focus on, on, on learning. So uh, I've, I've had, had different roles with, uh, within Kellogg when I started with them uh, 12, 13 years ago. And most of the time has been in, in a learning related role, uh, supporting different functions and, and now kind of head of global le- uh, learning development. So passionate about that passion about the potential it brings and and uh, i'm an advocate of of learning creating um, learning environments learning cultures learning experiences that really help people grow uh professionally and personally as well so that's a short, very short, bio. <laughs> a short history it's interesting we both started in uh, i started as elementary ed as well after right <laughs> exactly so it's, yeah. and then i just gone up the scale until i landed at a place that was comfortable but so uh, some of those things that you've learned, though, when it comes to the virtual learning, uh, how's that transition from the work you've done as an educator to making sure that virtual learning works in a corporate environment? Yeah, so I think it's interesting when we look at the well, how COVID has changed everything. And what we're seeing today, we were always, we were trending towards this, you know, being more virtual, being more savvy with using the technology. Sim- the simple thing, or that's not a simple thing, but what COVID did was just accelerated that and said, you need to do more of this and you need to do it now. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we were already on that journey. We had started that a couple of years ago saying, okay, we have 30,000 employees all over the world. It's difficult to get learning in a timely fashion in front of the people who need it, when they need it and all that. So it's, it's, 
it's 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 difficult to to scale the traditional model around i'm going to get in front of you face to face with a group of people and i'm going to do this for thousands of people can be done can be very effective but when you look at it there are ways of streamlining some of those experiences and then when you when you when you put them in the uh, an effective virtual format that can certainly work well uh the channel is almost it, it is relevant but it's when you think about it as long as you get the right context and the right content delivered in the right way with the right people and 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 it's, it's reinforced it's it's really we're aiming for uh we're changing something we're, we're building skills we're changing something we could do that right it doesn't really matter if it's if it's in a classroom and if it's in a in a virtual space one thing i would say though is the challenge that we have now in front of us with having everything now in the virtual a lot of things virtually or online is engagement right because right. we as humans we 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 engage with others and we I miss giving my coworkers a hug and I miss, you know, being in that, you know, that that's, I'm not saying it's part of learning, but it's part of the learning environment and learning experiences. So that might have, you know, an impact indirectly into how we interact. And also the magic that happens when we do more of the traditional is the things that happen during breaks and on the side and networking and all those things that you may be losing now with virtual, right? So, so the, the, the net, impact and outcomes from a, from a, let's call it a, a, an in-person session somewhere. It has some other things that you, it's hard to capture in the virtual uh, environment. Now we're getting more uh, savvy with how we use that in a creative way. There are better tools and, and we can do things differently. But I think when we look at it, we're, we're seeing, we've never seen this much adoption of any learning programs in, since I started with Kellogg. I and mean, we're seeing numbers that are very, very impressive that people are more, continuously learning because they have continue continuous access to learning and they can do it when it works for them so a lot of lot of benefits and 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 but again your your question about you know my role as an educator it's still it's not just making things virtual because it's flash and we have zoom and we have cool tools it's always thinking about again the context the content is it how do we package it how do we cater to the needs of of the people you're working with so it's that we can't you know, we always have to pay attention to that. And and one of the things I saw early on is people like organizations and, and some of our programs, people said, how do I now convert my two-day session into a virtual? <laughs> you don't do that. You recreate with some of the elements of what you did virtually. So it's it's not about just pivoting and saying, I'm going to throw it into Zoom now and I'm going to sit with you for two days on camera. No, that's a that's a call. So I think it's it's recontextualizing that and and re- and redesigning. But I think by long story short, I think you can probably get to a lot of the same outcomes you would in uh, a, in a live uh, face-to-face session. But again, there are some elements that, that might be lost. Right. And I think that's because uh, you're talking, we're talking about a continuum, if you like, that at one end of the continuum is face-to-face in the same room. Uh, the other end of the continuum is an individual working on their own in their own time. There's kind of a spot in the middle that uh, I know we've found that is the a group small group on zoom we can do a lot of the same stuff as the face-to-face clever use of breakout rooms clever use of different interaction will generate some of that uh, that you get from being in the same room but you've also seen a lot more uptake on the other end where individuals are just self-motivated to do more training is that is that accurate yeah, and and I think the the most for for learners for our employees, I think the the most a very important quality is to be 
self-aware and understand what I need and what I and when I need it, right? Because when you do sometimes those big sessions, it's because we have a need, right? We have a collective need as an organization or as a team to go and learn something. But a lot of times that doesn't really apply because it's what I need now is something that I need now, not the rest of my team. So I need to go and consume whatever content and learn um, based on my own needs versus the team. So I think what we're also trying to educate people is like you are really empowered to learn, right? And and when we have more of a catalog driven or schedule driven learning, so, oh, you're going to, you know, roll in this program and it's two months from now and it's, you know, I actually need that now, right? Or or I may need that later. So I think it gives us some added flexibility. So we've been really emphasizing that, you know, we're, we're not going to force feed you. We're going to give you some we're going to give you an environment where you can kind of seek out and, and get what you need when you need it, mm-hmm. which, which is, it's, I think it's really where things in terms of learning and development is trending. So we're getting more, more insights based, based on, <clears throat> on data, right? If you look at, okay, Thor has this role, he's based on this location. Th- these are his skills. These are his gaps. And then, and then whatever the system or the environment somehow brings in what I would need, right? Whether it is an actual online asset or is it a name of someone? It's a, it's a mentor, it's a coach, because for me, I think the, the, the biggest impact when it comes to learning is what happens throughout your day, right? I've, when I reflect on my career, the biggest learning moments and, and, experience, and, 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 and how I've learned, it's not through a course or an article or uh, on e-learning that I went through. It's, it's some of that, but then it all comes together in interactions with other people in an opportunity to go in front of people, present something, talk through something, problem solve something. So I think that's also important to realize that yeah, virtual learning is part of the learning, right? Is, is you're formally going through some sort of an experience, but what happens then is really where the, where the magic happens, right? right? If, if, if I have somebody and, and learning is, is a, is a social event as well, right? You, even though you're on, on your own, you're learning from, from looking at a screen and going through some things, it is it is something that's socially supported and validated and 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 enabled, right? So, uh, if I learn something today, I may share that with my teammates or recommend it or say, "Hey, let's talk about this. This is a new trend, and I'm interested in." So that's that's how you make it happen versus just a, it's a it's a solitary event, right? So, so it's all about the application, anyway. That I means it, absolutely learning. You know, the training that you're doing is about creating a bigger tool bag for people. But yeah, that's useless yeah. unless they're actually able to apply that tool in the workplace. Absolutely. And it's interesting when you see kind of the market out there, marketplace with different technologies and platforms being launched. I mean, they're all great. Uh, and what they don't necessarily do is, and some say they do, but I'm not sure maybe they do, but it's it's how do you then, how do you how do you go from 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 learning to doing is, is that mm-hmm. kind of gap, which is so critical. And, and that's, I think, where leaders come in, where teams come in, where, where coworkers come in to, to really make that happen and, and kind of unlock that learning. So if you've got like a manufacturing plant, say in Manchester, England, just happen to, if they're hypothetically, and, yeah. and you've got some supervisor on the floor that wants to uh, develop their own skills, uh, what, are you, what do you see that says that they're applying it? Because they can go and, and take the LinkedIn class or wherever mm-hmm, it is, the mm-hmm. format you're using, what measure do you have to make sure that they're actually applying it in that plant? Yeah. So we have some, both some kind of some, some, um, some kind of utilization data that shows that they're consuming they're they're going through that. And then we have some uh, inferred data and anecdotal data. So we have uh, a lot of surveys that go out like our uh, engagement survey that goes out and that measures 
leader effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And so you may see trends year over year. You can filter by certain groups. Here's the group that did go through this versus group that didn't go through. And you see there's an incremental jump in the group that did go through in terms of engagement, right? So we look for those. And then we also have some uh, some ways of, of surveying or focus grouping or kind of going after and looking what, what's actually happening. Um, some of that is, again, anecdotal. We have stories. We have we look at things like, you know, retention and some things that are like a bit inferred, but we can say that, yeah, there is, there's, we're seeing a correlation here. This is probably the holy grail of, you know, as, as, a, as a learning professional, it's, it's really hard to crack because you never have full control over, <laughs> oh, you know, everybody's doing great now because of my learning, right? Or my program or my solution. But, it, you know, there's a lot of other variables that came into play. But at the end of the day, of course, we need to make, to be able to say that we're having an impact and here's how. So um, another thing is also what I've, what I've seen is you can, you can drive engagement in people um, just by providing access to ongoing development, whether they're applying it or not. I mean, I'm, that's not the way it should be, but th th there is a benefit. If I'm, if I'm being provided with a, let's call it a benefit almost, yes, you have an opportunity to grow your skills, learn new skills. And this even goes to some of the programs we, pl uh, you know, provide, for example, LinkedIn Learning that you provided, or you mentioned is you can learn things that are not work related. I can learn, I think LinkedIn Learning has like how to play the guitar or how to record music, right? doesn't have to do with my role as the supervisor in the bench as a plant, but I'm getting some opportunities to kind of, it's, it's, it's broader development when you think about it. It's not primary, obviously, but it's, there are some, some added, added kind of benefits that can, we can see maybe in numbers like engagement and retention because it's, it's provided to me by the company. So you, I mean, that gives you data to, to track then and you can see even if the person is learning French and the guitar, you can still measure that against, am I seeing a greater retention? Am I seeing that employee be more engaged? And it really doesn't matter whether it's supervisory leadership or, you know. The Hypothetically, on, on the engagement front, but obviously we're, we're focused on, on skills, of course. You know, we don't, if we're training that supervisor on whether it's, you know, developing their people or providing feedback, you know, those are the core things. But then there might be some peripheral things that are in the grand scheme of things. They have an impact on, positive impact on engagement and retention yeah. because they now have, and that's, that's almost when you think about when, when, when organizations provide perks to employees, right? I get get a, uh, a gym membership or I get access to whatever. And, and how does that, you know, help you with performing? You're not learning anything, is it? Like, but it's, it's those, those things that, that exist in the environment for me as an employee that I can take advantage of. And it's, it's helping me grow in, in some, some, some way or another. And I was talking to uh, another colleague, a friend of mine, Judy Brown, in a couple of episodes ago about leadership and poetry. And one of the things that she said is that the, the poetry can unlock a creative side of the brain that gets you thinking differently when it comes to applying it to the manufacturing side or the, the Very functional side, which I, I wonder if there's data that says, you know, or maybe be, do some study to see if there's data that even though they're learning the guitar or French, they're unlocking something that's making them a more creative leader on the other side of the, the fence. That absolutely could. And when you think it also from almost like a, a mindfulness point of view, right? If people are getting, they're able to unplug, right? I can, I can, I don't have to just, you know, go through all the leadership training or all this Excel training or whatever the, the skill may be. I'm actually going to decouple now and I'm going to spend some time on gardening, learning about how to plant something or, you know, it might be interesting. I mean, I don't have the data, but, you know, my, my hypotheses would be there. There is something that it's, there's a positive 
net benefit coming coming out of that. Right. So, but it's it's an empirical question at the end of the day. So <laughs> uh, we need to do to the whole study. study there. Yeah, we want to see your coming 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 soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, because what you're uh, you're defining actually in in my mind is a complementary set. That it's mm-hmm. not that the online learning is going to take over. It's that the online learning is complementary, and especially at times like this, it's become more critical, more important. And so that continuum that I paint of face-to-face, kind of a hybrid version, and then individual online, all three are valuable. And it's just that we're getting better at being able to measure some of the stuff that is online, and that gives us more data to be able to say what's working and what isn't. Yeah. And it's, it's even if we boil it down to, because it's, it's platform agnostic or solution agnostic almost, because at the end of the day, it's about, you know, does the employee know what they need uh, in terms of learning? Do they know where to go for that? Do they know how to apply it? You, know, it's, you, you can deliver, you can answer those questions. Yes, we can provide all these digital assets, but it's, it is that and a whole other set of variables that, that play a role in that. Again, going back to the team, going back to experiences, going back to, you know, there might be might be engaged in other activities outside of work that are that is part of that holistic kind of development, developmental framework. Um, so, so yeah, I, th- I think the online p- the, ma- the the magic there is is to just the the speed and scale, right? You can you can really get things across the globe quickly, and yeah. you can be targeted, and you can track. Uh, you can do that in a matter of, you know, right now I can, after this, this, our chat here, I can go in and I'm going to, you know, sign something to 3000 users in, in Latin America, and I'm going to ask them to do this. And I'm, you know, no, no, not the best way to approach uh, to, to push it out like that, but it's, it's, if I were to do the same non virtually or non online, if we would just, you know, okay, um, how much money do we have and how are we going to travel and we're going to do all those things. And by the time I get to that audience, it's too late. You know, they, they needed this the next week and not two months months from yeah. now so there's a really but there's access, yeah yeah accessibility piece in that isn't it that i remember doing training in the uh, battle creek plant at two o'clock in the morning because we were trying to train all three shifts um, right exactly um, and what you're saying here is that this you've got advantage to be able to put it out so people can get hold of it when they when it's best for them to learn yeah rather um yeah and there's an interesting what I what I what I've kind of started to notice is also perceptions play a big part in this. Is if my mindset is so if if I if I look at online learning, it's not real learning. And this is actually something I picked up from my boys because due to COVID, they went all online learning and they said, Dad, I'm just doing this stuff. It's online, it's not real learning. <laughs> so they're seeing they're they're viewing it as, you know, I need to be with others, I need to be with an instructor, I need to be there in person. So I, I think it's a bit of a probably we'd call it change management to help people see that no, it doesn't have to be one way or another, right? It's it's coaching people, helping people through this transition because we may see in some some demographics that people are more open to this than others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I think it's all, always understanding the user what they need at the end of the day before you go and say, hey, you know, just log on and magic happens. You need to make sure that they have the the prerequisite skills and understanding and mindset really about yeah, this this can work um, you would never assign a course on swimming to someone online and say uh, you, you're going to be able to swim thousand meters next week they would drown right we, we can't commit that to that type of of skill building right so that meaning it's it's always it has to happen in the right context right you can't just 
just make something happen in a, as a digital asset, right? It, it is always what is the skill, what's the content, what are we what are we asking the the the, the person to do differently as a, as a result of this training? Right. So I think that's an, that's another 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 factor. You can't just you can't online ice it if <laughs> to to make it happen, right? Uh, you just have to think through it holistically. And, and at the end of the day, what do we want the outcome to be? That's kind of the starting point. Right. And you need to have people who are fairly motivated to go and go into that environment and, and pull it out, which I'm sure is another sign that you're, you're seeing is some people are motivated and that's probably an indicator as to who they are versus those. Yeah, who, ab- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, is there one thing you'd uh, advise or one thing you'd find that, Hey, has worked or hasn't worked apart from swimming that, uh, that you <laughs> say, you know, this has really worked online and this has really struggled. So, I, I think a lot of the things that we're seeing. So um, one thing that we, we we did recently was we we and we had started this before COVID hit, but all of our onboarding now is is virtual. Right, you join Kellogg day one or week one, and you start to engage in the, with with other newcomers in the virtual space. And and we were confident the team that built this, we were like, this is going to work. But, you know, there's some pushback from the organization like, oh, you need to get people together and that's part of onboarding. And yes, I get it. But can you really do that at scale and continue? Because we were only, you know, we, we may, we were not able to, to consistently onboard everybody globally, but now we can. So in a way, we saw that, yes, it works because you're giving people consistent information globally, regardless of where they are. But then we're also giving them some autonomy to complete part of their learning on their own. So it's not you have to be with people for 16 hours in a room, virtual or otherwise. We give them a snapshot, but then it's it's up to you to finish some other uh, required learning over, over the next few weeks. So I, I think programs like onboarding, and in some cases, leadership, right? If you're teaching things like coaching and we were doing that right now with some of our leadership uh, development programs we're doing them in in, in um, this kind of coaching sessions and, and debrief and and kind of we're using flipped classroom format for that um I, th- I think what what wouldn't work is probably a lot of the kind of the you know when we when we go to our for example our plants where there's a lot of technical uh tactical things where you're setting up and you're doing manual you know things where it's it's not about content it's about actual physical movements and and tools and things like that obviously that would be limited um there is there's an interesting um i i uh, i'm familiar with with the gentleman who's who's leading up learning at mcdonald's and he tells his story of when when uh they were so excited about you know online technology so they they had kiosks in back of the restaurants where people were making you know, learning how to make french fries on the laptop they were just simulations and i was putting the thing in and you know why not just use the actual equipment? It's right there. <laughs> so sometimes we get so excited about the technology. It's like, no, you can actually, if you're teaching somebody how to make a burger, use the grill, use the, you know, you don't have to have them drag and drop a burger on a virtual grill. So I think that's, that's uh, an example of, yeah, it doesn't, it, it may work if, if you're doing this as a, as a pre-work or getting people familiar with, yes. But if you want to reach a proficiency level, you, you can't do that online. And that is something, I mean, I, I think things that have to do with interpersonal skills like coaching. I mean, you could teach me how to coach others right here and that, right, right, right now, right? You can give me some tips and here's a model and here's how we do it. I would ask you a question. We go, go back and forth. That's online, right? Um, so so I, th- I think it's, again, it's always going back to that, those outcomes. Can you, can you feasibly, can you reach those outcomes fully virtual? Right. So, um, yeah. It's funny. We, we've, 
transition through COVID to virtual coaching, all of, a lot of our coaching previously was face-to-face and we went to 100% virtual. And it's interesting, different people want to come back to face-to-face and a lot of people say, no, this is working and it saves a lot of time. It means I can switch from one to the other. And, and I've always said that you know, face-to-face is 100%. The phone co- coaching is about 50%. Uh, the virtual coaching is, I used to say 80%, but I actually think it's getting higher than that uh, because people are getting so much more used to it. It, it seems like, like you said, we've amplified and accelerated our uh, comfort level with, with this. And I think uh, we're going to see a lot more of it as we move forward. Exactly. I was just wondering if, if and this would be another study maybe, and I was, I was reflecting on this the other day on when email came out, right? some decades ago when people started to use email, I'm sure there was a similar type of pushback. You know, I'm going to send this electronic message. I'm not going to handwrite it or call this person on the phone. You know, we're going to lose some, some elements of the communication in that. And yes, but you know, all these years later, we say email is, yeah, email probably overused and all that may not, you know, always effective, but I mean, there is, there is a tremendous value in technology. If it's used appropriately, we always have to go through the, through the change curve on that. Mm-hmm. You know, people just question the, the legitimacy or the effectiveness of, of something like this. And, and I have some, some reservations, right? We can't do everything. So I do look forward to the, to the, to the t- time when we can get, to get, get back together as teams. We can do things more in person. It's going to be different. But I think we, we, we don't have a choice, really. We have to get very comfortable with, with not only learning, obviously, but just utilizing this for collaboration, for for partner, partnering with, with teams internally and externally, and, and uh, just it's ways of working, really. It's just changing the way everything works. I mean, the yeah. fact that you're in Iceland uh, working for a company in Battle Creek now, and I was talking to somebody yesterday who's working for a company here in Kalamazoo, and they're moving to North Carolina because they can, and everything's yeah. going to this virtual um, work station and, and we're going to a virtual company at the end of August. So we're going to see a lot more of this and it makes what you're doing even more interesting. And I want to see both of those studies you're going to do. Uh, <laughs> sound like a good PhD study. So Thor, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate your time and the, the chat and the information and you sharing. Uh, Flor, Thor Flusserson is the Senior Director of Global Learning and Development at the Kellogg Company. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Humanity Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Thor. Uh, I'm David Wheatley. Thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music. Please share any feedback and suggestions you have about who you'd like to hear from. Uh, please go to iTunes and, uh, and give us a review because that helps other people find this, uh, this podcast. Subscribe and stay healthy. We'll see you next time. Thanks very much.